Welcome to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and thanks very much for downloading this. I'm Mark Stephen. As the days are drawing out and there are some signs of growth again, this is probably the busiest time of year for sheep farmers. Lambing, to paraphrase an old saying, is 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration and 0% sleep. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about pre- and post-lambing care, how to minimise losses, the importance of good hygiene, quality colostrum for the lamb and good nutrition for the ewe, and inevitably the role that antibiotics play nowadays. I'm joined today by two people. Uh, John Hamilton is a vet currently practising at Ark Vets in Lockerbie. John's family has a beef and sheep farm in Darvel Ayrshire where they lamb their ewes outside and their hogs indoors and they then sell them on as hogs with a lamb at foot. Thomas Smith is shepherd stockman for SRUC's Barony Campus. He lambs 600 mule ewes with everything lambed indoors. Thomas, coming to you first, just expand on that for me. Tell me about your setup. I mean, how does it work in terms of time frame? We lamb roughly sponge 200 for early February. Then after that, we're just working natural service for the next two cycles after that. So we're lambing really in batches of 200 roughly. We're limited with the size of shed, but we've put up, we've got two polytunnels. So we lamb in the shed and then we take them out once they've lambed into individual pens in the polytunnel. I've seen that set up actually. They seem to quite like the polytunnels. Yeah, they're fairly good, and we're mucking out pens in between sheep and disinfecting, so it's fairly good. John, from a veterinary standpoint, what's the best way to prepare for lambing? I think overall, preparation really starts at scanning time. So this is the point we sort of realise what numbers we have on the ground, and then we can divide our sheep into appropriate groups by litter size. It's also good at this point to get a good body condition score of the sheep as well. So you want to catch out any under-conditioned and over-conditioned years at this point. So it takes about six weeks for a sheep to change body condition score. So we want to catch any problems early. And any under-conditioned ewes or over-conditioned ewes can go into a different group. So we're starting feeding earlier or later on, depending on what we need to do to catch those problems. I think going back to what Thomas says in terms of lambing in the shed, I think the best way to prepare is just to get organised early. I think you want to pen set up, clean, disinfected and sit and dry, ready to go. It's worth getting organised with sort of feeding, bedding, the facilities, medicines and iodine and stock so everyone's ready. And it's also going on with staff as well. Make sure everyone has the same management protocol, running through protocols before we start lambing, just in regarding colostrum, antibiotic treatments, and then just managing newborn lambs as well. So everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet. Does that chime with you, Thomas? Is that what you do? Yeah, it's basically all in preparation, really. You just need to make the time to get set up and get ready and everything disinfected. If you've got different staff coming in, we have a whiteboard and make it quite clear of what system we're using. So, And John, how do you go about minimising any losses? I think it's important, first of all, to know what our losses are. So I think the best way to put forward with that is just recording as we go forward with lambing. So we want to record in all cases of neonatal disease, whether that's joint ill, navel ill, watery mouth, and also record our losses as well, and also record our yow losses, and whether that's through mastitis or bad lamins. Going from there, regarding lambs, the best way of reducing losses is colostrum management. So lambs are very much born without any immune system there, and it's colostrum is vital in terms of getting lamb health up and getting those antibodies from mother to lamb. So we start talking about the three cues for colostrum. So that's quality, quickly, and quantity. 
and we're looking at 50 mil per kilogram per lamb at the start. And it's getting that good quality colostrum in the lamb. It gives the lambs the best start and reduces those cases of neonatal disease and just makes things going forward easier. Um, I think there's a study that showed about 50, I think it's if you have a lamb up suckling itself in 15 minutes, there's a 95% chance of being alive 90 days later. So that just shows you colostrum is really good at getting lambs through that risk period, which is the first 48 hours. Well, we're all we're tagging and recording everything at birth. So the last couple of years, we have lost a few lambs due to watery mouth. So this year, we've decided to make a bit of a change and reduce our antibiotic usage. This year, we've went on to Provita lamb response, which is not an antibiotic. It's a probiotic. So we seem to be halfway through the lamb and then we've not touched wood. We've not had any problems with watery mouth so far. So, How much of a concern are antibiotics, John? I think it's a major issue at the moment and it's a hot topic that's not going to disappear soon. Unfortunately, it's a worldwide problem and a public health issue as well when we're talking about antibiotic resistance. So even though we see quite high use of antibiotics, it is coming down on farms across the country. It's something that's just not going to disappear. So historically, there's been a lot of use of especially oral antibiotics, what we call prophylactically, where we treat every lamb with antibiotics. And Thomas touched on that where he was in the past at the barony jagging every lamb with a systemic antibiotic. What we're trying to now is to do is reduce this use and target treatment to where we need it. So by using good colostrum management, getting colostrum in early and keeping really good hygiene standards, we sort of see there's a less of a need for antibiotics as lambs build up their own immune system and are less likely to pick up infection. There's always going to be a place for antibiotics, but they're not a substitute for good management. And it's really just targeting that treatment. So when we have active cases of joint ill, then it's absolutely fine to use a systemic antibiotic and inject them. And if we're using oral antibiotics, we really need to be targeting the lambs that need it. So that'll be triplets, bad lambers, or missed mother lambs. We don't really need to be treating healthy singles or healthy twins. We're just targeting that treatment to what we need it. Because the more we use antibiotics, the, the danger is we get more of a risk of resistance. And in the grand scheme of things in the future, these antibiotics can be less effective. And as a big concern for farming, but also a concern for public health as well. Thomas, when you speak about hygiene, is that a concern exclusively or predominantly in indoor lambing, or do you have to worry about it outdoors as well? Outdoor, I wouldn't say is that big a problem. Indoor, obviously, you've got so many sheep inside and you're turning them all out. You've got so many sheep going through the shed, so your infection is going to rise, like the risk of getting infection. So we are trying to powder disinfect all the time basically you need to we're dipping navels twice usually before they go out indoors we are dipping navels and giving them a squirt of this provita lamb response now then an hour or two later you're going around making sure lambs are full and they've had their colostrum they've not had colostrum where they strip the yow if she's got enough and tube them or we're having to supplement them with powdered colostrum that's basically it in terms of the colostrum you know when you're carving you can check the quality even if it's a fairly rough gauge sometimes but you can check the quality of the colostrum can you check the quality of the colostrum with lambs you definitely can it's very similar to cows where you can use a refractometer and just measure the proteins in the colostrum Unfortunately, just with the number of sheep or lambing, it's not always practical to do that just um, by just the number. We can't do it with every sheep. 
So I think the best thing to do is get a good gauge on the yield that's coming off the sheep and strip out sheep once they've lambed just to make their, sure there's a yield there and get the lamb suckling. If the sheep is running a bit dry on colostrum, then it's a good idea to use a replacer or use preferably another used colostrum first before you use a replacer. But in the grand scheme of things in terms of colostrum, what we really need to be doing is looking at flock management and keeping sheep in the right body condition score coming into lambing. So have a good consistent body condition score. So sort of two and a half for hill yows and three to 3.5 for indoor sheep. Having that body condition score coming through lambing is shown to be a good link with yield of colostrum. So we have the right energy reserves there. And then as we come up to lambing, the three weeks before, we want to have a good protein source. So we talk quite a lot about DUP, which is digestible undegradable protein, which is ideal for twins and triplets who might not be getting the same energy reserves from the rumen. And we're really looking at flock management. So rather than individuals, we want all the sheep running a good body condition score for good nutrition to get that quality of yield there for the sheep and for the colostrum. In terms of nutrition, Thomas, I mean, if, if in the run-up to lambing, how do you feed your ewes? How do you feed them during lambing? How do you feed them after? How does it change? So before lambing, it really depends on the ewes condition as well, but we have got a lot of ewes carrying multiples, so I'll usually start triplets off on six weeks before they'll be getting 0.2 kilos of cake outside. And you slowly step that up. But the first batch here we house usually a fortnight before lambing. So by the time they come into the shed, they'll be on point eight of cake. But we also feed our TMR ration through by the wagon. So we're giving everything 200 grams a head per day of soya. Same again of molasses, and it's mixed in with 1.2 kilos a head of haylage. Again, forgive me for asking this, but very often farmers look at university or college setups and think, ah, it's all very well and good for them. You know, they've got unlimited resources. What you're doing, is it the kind of thing that a normal, ordinary farmer would be able to do? Yeah, I would say a normal farm should be doing it. Like the soya is ensuring your yows have plenty of milk and the colostrum's there on them, which, given the soya, we are reducing the cake slightly. A lot of people would probably feed more than what we're feeding so yeah i would say a normal farm should be doing that a friend of mine farms she's got three hill farms near canonby um and if you go into her lambing shed you know which is down beside the old farm it's got wooden walls and it's like hieroglyphics on the walls john i mean it's, it's written in felt pen it's written in pencil it's written in chalk it's probably written in lipstick in places um, you know, it gives it's codes. It, that's, it's a form of record, and I'm sure they've got better records than that. But how important is it to keep really good records of lambing? Unfortunately, it's specific to different farms. So I think everyone has their own record keeping, and it's important to have something that works. So, like Thomas at a college, will be doing pretty gold standard record keeping in each individual sheep and knows what's going on. Unfortunately, it's a busy time of year, and it's not always possible to have perfect records, but it's having something that works, and it's something that can correlate at the end of lambing time to bring something together. So as long as we've got a reasonable record there, and know roughly in terms of what we're seeing on the ground, I think most farmers, when you speak to them, they'll know exactly where the problem is coming from in terms of they know what a joint ill is, know what a navel ill is, but sometimes quantifying that issue so we realise how much of an issue it is and how we can make improvements. So as long as there's some form of record keeping there, and it's going from that, some record keeping is better than none at all. We always sort of encourage now to do a herd health plan, a performance review, where we sort of tally together the cases we've seen. 
And what we quite often do is tally together the volume of antibiotics we're using for each specific disease. So we know the number of cases of joint ill and navel ill, we can then know how much antibiotics are used for each individual case. I think that's really important trying to produce for use of antibiotics where we know where the antibiotics are going. So Thomas, according to a vet, your record keeping is gold standard, so no pressure then. <laughs> what kind of information are you actually holding? You know, how, how extensive is it? Basically, we're just recording what the ewe has. So if she has two live lambs, dead lambs, whatever, whether you've assisted with the lambing or not, or whether you've had to get a vet out. We're recording all day, so whether a lamb gets lay on or in a pain or gets joint ill, navel ill, whatever, you know, we're recording as much as that, really. So we know why we're losing lambs. And having that information, how does that inform your decision-making next year? So previously, as I said before, like we blanket treated everything with an antibiotic and we still had, we recognise that we've got a problem with watery mouth. So this year, obviously, we've changed that, went on to this Provita lamb response, which is a probiotic, um, and we're touched with, we've not had any problems so far. So by your recording, you're recognising that you've got a problem, if you've got a problem. You might be perfect and not have any problem. (laughs) (laughs) Although that seems to be unlikely on the face of it. (laughs) Is it saying something too far, John, to say that, on the whole, lambing outside tends to be a healthier process. Uh, not at all. I think different different setups suit different farms. And obviously, as we get later on into spring, we get that flush of grass as well, which is ideal for outside. But lambing inside lets us to be a bit more on top of things. We can be more aware of our numbers, more aware of management. Unfortunately, as lambing progresses, we tend to see bacteria building up in the shed. So I think that's the biggest challenge with lambing indoors. There's nothing to say that lambing outdoors or indoors is better. Obviously, indoors, we're protected from the weather as well. It's just keeping on top of that bacterial challenge. But I think the best way to combat that is just starting organised and starts mean to go on. Small changes in hygiene can make a massive step forward. So even, as Thomas mentioned earlier, navel dipping twice. So dipping rather than spraying. Dipping the, eye, the navels of iodine after birth and then six hours later. Make sure those lambs get a colostrum. But even small things, like make sure we dip sort of castrating and tagging equipment and surgical spirit to make sure they're clean, uh, make sure feeding equipment is all washed and disinfected, and trying to clean out pens like what Thomas is doing between use of different sheep. And if we can't do that, then what we do is put some lime down and then amply bed it. What we've been trying to do in the practice is actually do what we call a trouser test. So it's really easy. And what we just do is kneel in the pen. If you're getting your trousers wet, then it's not any use for lambs. These lambs have a very poor immune system when they're born until they get that colostrum into them. So any dampness or wetness there is a high risk for bacterial infection. So you want a nice dry pen with ample straw. And that's what makes a massive difference with indoor lambs. So just to summarise what we've been talking about, get prepared, make sure everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet and doing things in the same way, look after hygiene, etc., and keep good records. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's known where our problems are. So we can isolate the cases and just as Thomas said you know what the problems are and put a protocol in place to treat those problems the next year well john hamilton from art vets and thomas smith from siuc barony campus thank you both very much for speaking to me thanks for having us thank you there won't be a qms podcast next week uh, we're going to be taking a short break before we come back in the spring that's the proper spring not this one until then i'm mark stephen thanks for listening mm-hmm. 
Thank you for listening to the Call to Meet Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.